special today. You can listen to this one anywhere. So here we go. Let's talk about combined leverage. In the last episode, I talked about operating leverage, financial leverage, and the interactive leverage model. If you missed that show, I highly recommend you go back and pick it up before you listen to this episode. I say that for two reasons. First of all, Everything I'm talking about today sort of flows out of last time's discussion. And second of all, and I'm not exactly sure how to say this, you know I hesitate to set expectations too high, but the second reason you should go back and check out that last episode is because it was outstanding. Was that too much? Oh well, check it out anyway. Today I want to focus on some of the implications of leverage that I wasn't able to squeeze into the last show. Last time I told you that combined leverage is a function of operating leverage and financial leverage. Specifically, I said that the degree of combined leverage is equal to the degree of operating leverage times the degree of financial leverage. Now, I emphasized the word times in that last sentence because that is a critical fact. Operating leverage and financial leverage are not additive, they are multiplicative. They compound one another. This is important for a lot of reasons and it should influence the way that managers use leverage. If a company, by the very nature of their business, has a high proportion of fixed operating costs and high business risk, they will tend to have a high level of operating leverage. When a company with a naturally high level of operating leverage is seeking additional capital, they probably want to use debt financing judiciously so as not to overextend. Here's another example from the company I mentioned last time, Stewart Brothers Drilling Company. Stewart Brothers is located in Grants, New Mexico, and it was founded by my grandfather, Hardy Stewart, and his brother Bob Stewart. They moved the business to New Mexico during a boom in the price of uranium, and uranium exploration was their bread and butter for a lot of years. I remember my grandfather, and my father as well, talking about borrowing money for the business. As a rule, they didn't borrow money. They were 100% equity financed. They made this decision because they had a clear understanding of the nature of their business. Exploration drilling tends to be highly cyclical. When prices of uranium, gold, or copper are relatively high, there is often more business than anyone can handle. It's a great problem to have if you own drilling rigs. However, when prices decline, demand for their services can drop off severely. My grandfather realized that he could grow the company faster by borrowing money, but that would lock them into a fixed interest payment. 
When uranium prices were high, it would be easy to make the payments. But in a downturn, revenue could drop dramatically and the company might not be able to make their interest payments and have to go out of business. In fact, when I was a kid, there were several drilling companies in our little town. But after the decline in uranium prices, Stewart Brothers Drilling Company was one of the only ones to survive. There were a lot of things that went into that, but one critical ingredient was the fact that the owners recognized the inherently high level of business risk and didn't compound it by taking on a lot of financial leverage. My grandfather learned that lesson not in a finance class, but by witnessing oil booms and busts while living in the Midland Odessa area earlier in his life. He, like I, was not afraid to retell a story if he thought it was funny, and one of his favorites went like this. He'd tell me about a downturn in oil prices, and he'd say, During that time, if you opened up a new bank account in Odessa, the bank would give you a gift, and you had a choice between a brand new toaster or a repossessed drilling rig. And they were running low on toasters. So at this point, you may believe that you've got my views on debt figured out. You may perceive me to be one of those anti-debt guys. And for most personal debt, that's me exactly. But when it comes to business, I think that some debt financing is not only acceptable, it's desirable. How can I have the exact opposite opinion about personal debt versus business debt? Well, think about the sort of things that individuals borrow money to purchase. Homes. Well, I think that's probably pretty reasonable if you don't buy more house than you can comfortably afford. What else? Vehicles. I'm generally against this one unless you can land one of those great financing promotions that makes the interest cost approach zero. From there, my tolerance for personal debt goes to zero pretty quick. Dr. Terry Pope says you can save a lot of money over the course of your life if you live in a tent and ride a bicycle. But most people consider a house and transportation as being pretty important, so I can let those go. But what if someone borrows a lot of money to purchase meals at restaurants, or fancy clothes, or big screen TVs? One problem I see with this from a business perspective is that they are borrowing money at a relatively high interest rate and reinvesting it in assets that provide a return of something close to zero. That's not a sustainable behavior. And that's why I like to see businesses use some debt financing and gain some of the benefits of financial leverage. When a company borrows money, they generally intend to reinvest it in some assets or projects that will provide a positive return. Specifically, a return that is greater than their cost of funds. If a company borrows at a 6% interest rate after tax and reinvests those funds in a factory which earns 12%, that is a 6% spread. And as a shareholder, that's what I want to see. Creation of shareholder value or wealth. Back to leverage. If a particular business has a relatively low proportion of fixed operating costs and low business risk, it may be quite beneficial for them to borrow money. Companies with low business risk and low financial leverage, by definition, 
tend to have more predictable cash flows. If your cash flows are predictable, then you can borrow money and reap the benefits of financial leverage. As long as your cash flows are safely above the interest expense you incur and you are reinvesting your borrowed funds in projects that provide a good return, this type of financial leverage will be both beneficial and desirable. In fact, some people might argue that a company that can safely support some debt in their capital structure, but avoids it anyway, is not being a good steward of the shareholder's money. That's good steward with a D. I want to be a good steward, but we should all try to be good stewards. So are you with me on this? Operating leverage and financial leverage converge to determine our combined leverage. Companies with high operating leverage and business risk want to be cautious about the amount of debt that they use. Companies with low operating leverage and business risk are often in a position to improve shareholder returns and ROE by using more financial leverage. They just don't want to overextend. Now, there are a lot of ways to overextend, but the one I'm talking about here is when a company borrows more money and incurs a larger interest expense then their cash flows can service comfortably. Man, I had a situation where I overextended a couple of years ago. I was at the drive-thru at Chicken Express, and this nice young guy with long blonde hair took my order and went inside to get my food. A snack pack with jalapeno poppers and a Diet Coke. It was a nice day out. The birds were chirping in the trees. The cars were driving by on Judge Ely Boulevard. So, my friend comes back outside with my order. Now, sometimes I don't hear too well. And those birds and the traffic, they weren't helping me. The guy smiles, hands me my order, and as he's walking away, he says, You know what I'm saying? Now, I didn't catch that first part, so I clearly didn't know what he was saying. But those jalapeno poppers were calling my name, so I tried to fake it. I said, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And I might have been alright if I had quit right there. But this is where I overextended. I said, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, dog. Yeah, you've got to be careful out there. Don't overextend. Randy Jackson could throw around the D-A-W-G on American Idol every other sentence. But mine was definitely a dog. I've got no business trying that. People get hurt. Hey, I really appreciate you tuning in today. I'm going to be on hiatus for the summer while we work on moving the show to iTunes and my website to stulinium.com. Still, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, requests, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to me at stulinium at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you soon. Until next time, Jonathan Stewart, Stulinium Radio.
dog? You feel me, dog? Hey, is that your dog? I don't know.